Hi, and welcome to Sci-Fi Cross-Sections. This is a podcast dedicated to everything sci-fi, be it film, television, books, video games. We'll talk about it, we'll dissect it, and tell you what we think about it. Welcome to episode four. Uh, I'm Colin. I'm Mark. I'm Paul Anderson, a.k.a. Andrew. <laughs> I'm Matt. I'm Jason. This is Eric. And I am Ben. All right, uh, with us today is Andrew Miller. Paul Anderson. Hey, how's it going? We couldn't afford real Paul Anderson, so we had to bring him. You got, like, showbiz. When he like... found out today's topic, he literally messaged... We're not even Facebook friends. And Which is he, weird. He messaged Which me is on weird, Facebook like, two three times. I could send you a letter. I sent you smoke times. signals. <laughs> Paul Revere was, like, he right into your house. He actually paid for next day's shipping. <laughs> and they sent you an old-fashioned telegram. And uh, he the only Western Union, begged so. me to put him on here, which, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty Ostensibly, easy, so yes. <laughs> here you are today. I am here. <laughs> but before we begin our topic, which is Event Horizon, I'm going to hand it over to Ben... To talk about some stuff. Like news? Sure. Though by the time this episode goes up, it won't be news anymore. Yeah, Mark's just got to get up by Monday. The olds. Yeah, you Mark. always complain you don't have any, enough work to do anyway, Mark. Well, this has been done for... for oh, well then Colin's got to review it faster. Just yeah, Colin. It's Colin. Come on, Colin. Way to go, Colin. So, yeah, I'm not so, so the way the way I wrote the news today, the way I, the way I gathered all the news, it started lighthearted and then got really heavy. So I'm gonna start with the heavy stuff first instead, because we're gonna start at the bottom here. Uh, Louis Wachowski of the Wachowski siblings now has left season two of the Netflix original series Sense Eight. Buzzfeed reports that Lily who came out as transgender back in March, needs to take some time off to focus on her well-being. It is noted that she should return should Netflix order a third season of the show, but as of now, Lana Wachowski will be running a production by herself for the very first time in her career. This news comes after a report from Deadline in April that actor... How do you pronounce a name with A-M-L? That's his name. Amil? Amil? And honest input. Amal. 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 Amal Amin. He was replaced by Toby Anwumire on the show after a hate-filled rift grew between him and Lana Wachowski. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. So, so screw Amal. Did anybody um, watch Sensei? Is that any good? I never saw Sensei. I, heard I, saw, it. I saw a chunk of it, it. it was very good. I, yeah, that's what I've heard. I never finished it, which people makes me say sad, it's, and I need to get back People either say it's really good or... Other people say they don't understand what's going on. Well, it got ripped apart by critics, so I didn't really like care. But then everyone else said it was really. Critics good. are like children with small attention spans. If they, you lose them, they're just gonna trash your shit. So that is true. <laughs> uh, production on was, Twin Peaks revival. Dark. What's up? <laughs> that was dark, Colin. <laughs> production on Twin Peaks revival has wrapped, and Showtime is eyeing a spring 2017 release, according to Variety. David Nevin said that David Lynch is now in the editing room. Kyle McLaughlin, Dana, Dana Ashbrook, and Cheryl Lee will return with newcomers Ashley Judd, Michael Sarah, Amanda Seafried, and Trent Reznor. Whoa, and more. What? Whoa. Is that crazy? I didn't even know. Who was that first one? Uh, which one? On the, the newcomers? New, yeah. Ashley Judd? I think she's a porn star or something. I don't know. Yeah, I think she was in one or two. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Next one, up, one or two. I mean, Transformers, wait. the last night's villain has been revealed by Michael Bay to be Megatron, but who cares? Moving on. No <laughs> <laughs> <All> fucking shit. <laughs> well, I guess who, he, who I the guess, last villains? I guess he wasn't in the last one. The Megatron, last, the, last the American villains, government. The last villain the was world China, government. Chinese communist. The Chinese guys. All of his villains have been the plot. <laughs> <laughs> Dark of the Moon? It was the moon. Alright. Now, the moon first, just, like, Mr. President. Got in the sky and it became a big Decepticon. <laughs> now, for some really bad news that we're probably going to yell about for at least five minutes. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter has reported that Rogue One will begin on several weeks' worth of reshoots mid June. Who knows? Who knew about this first? Because I don't want to be the one to break the bad news to you. Yeah, I, I heard I knew. Knew. Everyone knew? Okay. Yeah. So sorry if you're listening at home and I'm breaking this bad news to you because Three here weeks it is. Later. Reshoots mid June. Sources say that Disney executives are unhappy with the tone of the film, saying it feels more like a war movie and less like a classic Star Wars movie. Oh, oh, man. 
Apparently, the goal of the shoots is to lighten the tone, bring fun into the adventure, and also, and this is just a rumor, it's not confirmed, so only get like half a pitchfork ready, bring Alden Ehrenreich in for a cameo to set up for the Han Solo solo movie. <sighs> so there's that. The good news, at least, is we can stop being excited for December. So that's good. Rogue One is still set to release December 16th. They push so hard for it to not be just another Star Wars movie. I know. Like, it's time to write your congressman. They, yeah, it's... Why would they do uh, this for a director's edition. Is that what we're writing to? <laughs> fucking care. It'll be somebody different by the time this episode comes out. Not, actually, no. He's been, he's been our congressman since, like, the 1980s. Oh, oh Jesus well, Christ. County always Shows how much I give a shit about politics. <laughs> It's, uh, I don't know, it's kind of disheartening reading that news, because I remember I saw it the other day, um, I was uh, reading on, like, io9 and a couple other blogs that had kind of reported it, because, like we just kind of said, the whole point of the standalone anthology movies was that they could explore these different genres, and they could try these different things that they couldn't do in the numbered series, and now it sounds like they're kind of, you know, backstepping on that, like, oh, well, you know, it's, it's a war movie, well, that's interesting. That's a different take on Star Wars. I'd really like to see that film, but now it doesn't look like we're going to get the chance. It's almost like Disney executives are too busy working all the time and don't know what Star Star Wars fans want or what Star Wars even used to be. Like, I don't think any of them have ever taken the time to pick up a book and go, oh, I wonder what this Star Wars book is about. Oh, wow, this is a dark and gritty war story. Well, it's a bestseller. That's insane. Like, I don't think anyone has ever ever realize that the whole point of the anthology series was to give us something you know expanded and why even do it i don't want to yeah. freaking see why the star wars crawl in this movie i don't want to see money i don't want to see raftars screw them all that, that's what i was about to say um it sells action figures it prints money and we're going to see it yeah oh yeah no i mean <laughs> it's just it's like the whole star trek thing. i'll see it i don't it's know if i want to see it they're not gonna get it's, my it's, money it's... until friday <laughs> yeah, I don't, think okay. I don't think I'll get my money Thursday. They're not getting it Thursday. But you know what? That that's it, it still hurts them. Like Thursday premieres are big now. Do you ever they're realize that these that like some of these comic book or Star Wars movies or whatever, they're a lot like a lottery ticket. You go and you see it just in the chance that you're gonna win, but you know you're probably gonna lose with a lot of them. <laughs> like that's how I felt oh about X Men Apocalypse. Yeah, I agree. I mean I enjoyed the film. I didn't feel like I wasted my money, but I went hoping I would win, knowing I would probably lose. Yes, that's these franchise it. movies. Well, I guess I'm not going to see it tomorrow. <laughs> no, I know this isn't this isn't a comic book podcast, but Apocalypse is shit. Don't see it. You know what? It's got Michael Fassbender in it. We can talk about it. <laughs> can we talk about how Brian Singer wants to do a Mystique solo no. movie? No. All right, so no. moving on. Moving on. And now for the crazy news: No Man's Sky has been delayed for the first time from its original release of June, date of June 21st. Which is normal. It's okay. That's why they didn't release, announce the release date earlier in the year because they wanted to be sure that they were at least in the ballpark. Once, okay. But that's not what's making the news. The news of the delay has brought multiple death threats down on the head of Hello Games founder and No Man's Sky director, Sean Murray. Ooh. On May 28th, he tweeted, I've received loads of death threats this week, but don't worry. Hello Games now looks like the house from home alone. Hashtag pillow fort. <laughs> Best response. In addition to Murray, Kotaku reporter Jason Schreier also received death threats for reporting the game's delay. He said in an article on Kotaku, I, it was unsettling to wake up Friday morning to a series of messages from someone who said he was going to kill me and my family for reporting on a video game delay. And like, go go to Kotaku, look them up. Yeah, like, I read the article. I couldn't say them on this podcast. It's awful. It's yeah. It's, Next, next, next um, time someone asks me if I'm like a gamer, I'm gonna say no. No, <laughs> that's awful. Death threats all around. Okay, that's not a gamer, gamer though. That's no, that's, a, no, a gamer. that's gamer. Culture. I'm not a gamer. That's, that's a gamer. gamer culture. <laughs> that's, I mean, it's <laughs> mentally unstable. Yeah, that's yes, like, gamer no. culture. No, no, the, mentally I, unstable I, basement no. dwellers. That I, is gamer culture. I, I, oh. <laughs> you just alienated your gamer fan base. No, because if they're, gamers, if they're good gamers. people, if they're good people, they're sci-fi fans and sci-fi people who play video games because that's what we are. Oh boy. Wait, I, I missed something. 
Where can I send my death threats to? Sean <laughs> uh, Murray. I don't have. Paul Anderson. Let me get his Twitter handle out. Sean Murray. Jason Schreier. Or as Miller is pointing out, Paul Anderson for making a shit movie. Okay. But we'll get to that in a minute. No Man's Sky is still set to be released in North America on August 9th, Europe August 10th, and the UK August 12th because apparently UK is not a part of Europe. Is anyone? I mean, <laughs> in a few months they won't be. <laughs> Is anyone kind of getting, uh, you know, some, you know, different thoughts about No Man's Sky? Not at all. With I, recent uh, developments? I would have been furious I'll if they sent it. out an incomplete game. All they're doing is delaying it. Did I get second thoughts about Uncharted 4 when it was delayed three times? No, I still played it. I still loved it. I would rather No Man's Sky be delayed. If they had to delay it a year, it would suck it's- immensely, but I would know that they needed to. Right. Because Sean Murray doesn't strike me as the kind of man to put out a shit game, so... And look at, like, The Division, that came out super buggy, and people dropped it, like... Yeah, the fan base disappeared in that game. Can't even think of a problem. I regret buying that game. I I just just want, you know, No Man's Sky's been my most hotly anticipated game for two years, three years now. Like, I don't want it to suck, and if that means... If that means delaying it another five years, then so be it, but damn it, I want that game to be awesome. I'm very hesitant with No Man's Sky, just because... So many games have promised the same thing over the last five years or so. And No Man's Sky seems like it's going to be the closest to that. But I still... I've spent probably a good $200 on games that have promised the same well, the thing. Marketing, well, the marketing is just so <laughs> shitty nowadays for video games. Like, they promise you one thing, and then you get it, and it's something completely different. Yeah, the only yeah. hurdle for me is just how, how much they're hyping that procedural generated universe. I think it can be really cool as long as there's enough unique content where you know every planet you go to really feels unique. And I That's think for the holding. amount, I, I think for think the amount of planets, I think for the amount of planets that you're ever going to be able to visit in your lifetime, there will be enough unique content. Because let's face it, you're not going to be able to fully explore every single planet, even even every single planet on along your line to the center of the universe in that game. You're still not going to be able to explore everything. There's going to be wildlife that you will never see in your lifetime yeah. playing that game. I guarantee it. I know what you mean, though. I'm, I'm just. I hope it's not like six bullet points of different unique f- features, and it's like pick two, for, and that's a plan. I like. I'm, no, I'm, 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 it's going to be more than that, but like that's obviously. They have like four NPCs that they just reskin and <laughs> stick. It wow, guys! Ass. I tried to. I tried to end lighthearted because at least it's still coming out relatively soon. You no, guys are like. Yeah, it got delayed no. like five weeks, man. Come on. <laughs> Four. I think like four weeks, number one. And, and that's, number that's like a half a year. All right, you know what? You got your issues with No Man's Sky. Send your death for. threats to Sean Murray. We love Send... you, Sean. Sean McMichael. Sean Murray. All right, hang on. Sean I'll get you your Twitter. No, don't, 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 don't. Everyone just send him love. What, uh, what systems is that game coming out? Uh, no Man's Sky is releasing for PlayStation 4. And PC because Xbox One is a crap system. Woo! Wow! More alienation. <laughs> All right, just fight outside. <laughs> he just doesn't get any love. It's releasing exclusively for the Virtual Boy. Oh, shit! <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to dig mine out of the so closet. Rest up your retinas because you don't. Like I already burned my Please, Microsoft HoloLens. Anyway, that is that's all I got for the news. Thank you, Ben. This has been the news. That was informative. I'm much more upset now than I was 20 minutes ago. Thank you. That's great because we're going to talk about things that will make you more upset. Colm, tell them what we got. What do you mean? <laughs> you like this movie for some reason. I'm really mad. Oh, you, you, want me to, you want me to talk about uh, Event Horizon? It's time. Deepwater Horizon. Event yes. Horizon. Uh, ben, don't ever watch Starship Troopers. Don't... Just, don't watch anything sci-fi. I'll, I'll sit... <laughs> you want me to watch some cult classics? I'll sit happily with my Tommy Wiseau's The Room. Nah, this isn't even a cult classic, oh, though. Boy. This is just... A classic? It's just, it's just sci-fi from the 90s. It's, it's all just a so weird... That's my biggest gripe. It suffers movies. from all 90s tropes, and it's just like... It, 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 it I, makes it like half the movie before we see like most of those tropes. I posted, I posted on Twitter. It had the unfortunate time of being made in the butthole era of cinema. The only tropes it suffered from were the horror aspects and not the sci-fi aspects. We'll say that. Well, let's get started. You want to give us the introduction okay, yeah. to the movie? Colin? So the movie, Event Horizon, is about a crew 
uh, a board, of Space Boys. Space Boys and a couple girls. Yeah, at least um, several. And they are in the process. What's the name of the ship? The Lewis and Clark? Yeah, Lewis well, and Lewis they are on the Lewis and Clark. They're in the process of flying rescue uh, vessel to the far side of Neptune. Neptune, yeah, yes. Neptune space. To where a ship, the Event Horizon, has been missing for seven years. It just reappeared there. Now, what makes this ship special, uh, Miller? The ship in question, the Event Horizon, <laughs> is special because it is outfitted with a prototype gravity drive, in quotations, uh, which is designed to emulate uh, faster than light travel. Mm -hmm. Okay, so please tell me how that would work. <laughs> well, let's see, you've got... It's all very technical. It's all very technical, <laughs> it's all math. There's lots of spikes. It's just it's very technical. In layman's, I'm, I'm sure, in layman's terms. In layman's terms. Fuck layman's terms, do you speak English? <laughs> <laughs> Say I uh, take this attractive piece of paper. Okay, I like attractive paper. Which is great. And I oh. poke a hole through one end. Okay. That's where we are. All right. Now, on the opposite end of this attractive piece of paper, right. I poke another hole. That's our destination. So the shortest distance between it would be a straight line. The shortest distance between two points is zero. Whoa! What this prototype gravity drive does is fold space-time, creating a demotion... An emotional gateway. An emotional gateway. That was actually the original title of the movie. It wasn't an emotional gateway. It creates a dimensional gateway between the two points in space-time. All right, all right. I got to stop you there because I think I've heard this all before in Interstellar. Oh, the movie that would come out... 15 years later. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which was infinitely better because it was about love taking over space travel and Matthew McConaughey's undying love for Murph! So, okay, Event Horizon was about love, too. It was about the love of man <laughs> and space travel. Love of chaos. The love of chaos. Yes. So, yes. alright. So you got this, this crew, including <laughs> Sam Neill. Um... <laughs> Captain McMuffin. Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. Most importantly, you have you have Alfred from Gotham. Sigourney I think Weaver. that's the most important thing. Sha yeah, yeah, Sean Pertwee, who actually I think he's a pretty damn good actor. He's, he's really good. I didn't see him. I've never seen him in anything cast. besides Alfred. I didn't even realize really? that was him. No, never seen him in anything besides Alfred and Gotham. I didn't know who the guy was. I just thought he was born old and then talked on the second album. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's pretty good. Um, so their job is to go find out where the Event Horizon has been for the last seven years. To rescue the crew and to get you know, gather the ship. No one really cares about the crew. Well, um, as you'll see, nobody does care about the crew. So uh, the purpose of Sam Neill on there is he is one of the architects. He invented the, the gravity. Yeah, he, he uh, invented the gravity drive. He "Quote unquote build." Built Which that yeah. honestly, that's the biggest. I don't want to say plot hole is he built it, but he doesn't know what it. He doesn't know what it does, but they didn't focus on that too much. Well, I think unfortunately, I think he something it. that they kind of. He I don't doesn't know if they know mess. Okay, he doesn't know where it goes. He knows where it's, he knows what it's supposed to he, do. Yeah, he, he theoretically knows, knows what it's what's supposed to but, happen, but he doesn't actually know. Because there's no way of knowing what would happen when you travel. They had to test it out yeah. by Neptune. And here's the biggest problem. Like, why would you not send the creator on the maiden voyage of testing out the gravity drive? Well, because you sent a Because his wife just knows. killed himself. Uh, Kill well, herself. Well, now you. All right. Well, that's a plot point near the end of the movie. You're watching the. You're listening to the Event Horizon <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Please be aware there are spoilers there, for a for a 19 year old movie. Now? Oh, Jesus, don't say that. That makes me feel <laughs> also, old. Also, oh, wow. what? Yeah, right we are, we are now, everybody's old. <laughs> no, but excuse me, cry for a few minutes. If the Expanse podcast says anything that we don't care about spoilers we will tell you this plot backwards we, from the side we don't care All right. it probably like plays out better backwards actually so let's try that okay Sam Sam Neill naked Sam Fisher with a cod piece on. Sam Neill with a demonic cod piece demonic markings oh, all over all, over all, all over the cod piece oh wait no he got his eyes back in the end didn't he he did get he his did. eyes back okay okay sure. 
we're on the end scene, which is one of the most ridiculous scenes, until I actually thought about it a bit. He, what if he wasn't actually there? That would make sense. No, that they're, it was the they're all going crazy. They're all going crazy. Or Lawrence it Fishburne is simply oh, sees uh, Dr. Weiss come back and gets into this huge fight and all this stuff's happening and he feels like he's flying on the flying around the room and he's doing all of this craziness, but none of it's actually happening. There's no way that he made it back. So well, that, that guy jettisoned himself out and their, you know, explosive decompression. <laughs> so while we're there, while we're in this room, can I point out two things? One, I don't know if they missed a plot point somewhere, but this feels like something that needed to be discussed. Nothing in that room felt like a human made it. None of the whole ship, the entire well, architecture was you weird. A third of the movie is missing, right? Is it really? Yeah. That's oh, like that's like two, no, that's two thirds of the movie. Okay, well, this is why we do podcasts, I guess. So it looked like he would like it looked like something they would have discovered and like put together. Because it looked alien, so I expect I sat there expecting the whole time like that it was actually going to be like alien technology, and they didn't know how it worked. And I was like, uh, that didn't happen. Number two, there were spikes all over this room, and not once did someone get driven onto a spike, and that just pissed me. That, that was they strange. Almost, they yeah. almost they did. Almost they almost did. did. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Cooper, uh, yeah, almost got impaled with Baby Boy. That's right, Baby Bear. Baby Bear, that's it. Well, that okay now. Justin Five. I agree, <laughs> just I agree that that whole uh, engine compartment struck me as really strange, but it served, it was there for two reasons that kind of escaped me in my first viewing. For, number one, this whole movie is about religious imagery. Uh, religious, yeah, yeah like yeah. symbolism. It's symbolism. Like you could just like change the title to yeah. symbolism the movie and you wouldn't be wrong. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's all these occurrences of the number seven, there's all these different things going on. Number, like... The so, airlock is airlock 13. Yeah, exactly. So it's supposed to look like a really creepy, like, torture chambery sort of, like, hellish room. It okay. has to. And, like, the, the second thing is it's very... This, this movie is so based in imagery. Like, that room, that whole compartment of the ship is the villain. I know that, you know, Sam Neill... He becomes this terrifying, like, horrible devil of a man. But that room is hell. That room is this, like, ominous part of the film. It's, it's, it's a little bit over the top, and it, it's so goofy with all the spikes, but it has to be. It has to be the villain. It has to be really creepy. It can't not have spikes. Well, it, to that end, too. You talk about the art direction a little bit there, Jason. Well, yeah, there. so it was one of the things, you know, upon one of my viewings in the, you know, I'd say the mid-2000s, I just went nuts for just the whole kind of subgenre of 90s horror. <laughs> I know that's Ben's favorite genre, as it is mine. The butthole of the cinema! <laughs> but, but... 70s. Mm -hmm. 70s, uh, 70s gave us Easy Rider. <laughs> but, one ride. of the things that I kind of looked at was, um, you know, I, I just I, I looked at it for as much kind of like scholarly discussion of these movies and the, the tropes and the symbolism, the archetypes that they kind of use, um, and that you know even go back into the '70s movies, which I'm sure we'll touch on at some point. But one of the things that came up, and I want to say it was in uh, one of the commentary tracks, and I, I watched the movie on Netflix, so you know I haven't broke my uh, Event Horizon DVD out in quite a while. But one of the things they said is they actually made the design of the ship to look like a cathedral. Yeah, that interesting. A gothic. You know, kind of industrial cathedral, and if you look at a lot of the things, especially like you know the uh, the front of the ship, you know where the, the the main window is on the bridge, it's it's a cross. It's a big cross. Yeah. It looks yeah. like it's almost like stained glass, you know, window. When you right, look I'll at like the medical bay, that. it's got these huge arches, and it's all you know, mm -hmm. it's like welded metal, so it looks very raw and kind of rough, and it's not like this polished, you know, clean sort of spaceship that we kind of would be accustomed to, thinking all oh, this futuristic, you know, spacecraft. Um, so to me, that was kind of it. Plays in a lot of the points that we've already brought up about it. Is just that they really, with the art direction and the imagery and the symbolism, they kind of tried to tie that in at least. And it it really does feel like 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 Eric said with that engine bay and the main room there with the gravity drive being the villain. It all kind of plays into that. Cool. Yeah, you definitely did see a lot of. Uh... It, in particular, the uh, the scene where they're all getting into the uh, stasis chambers, <clears throat> and the pilot has like all kinds of tattoos on him. He has a big onk on his back. He's, He's wearing a like a cross back. necklace. Like uh, there's, there's a scene towards definitely. the beginning where he like does the little Catholic arm cross thing. Who does this? 
Uh, Smith, pilot. yeah, the pilot guy. Pilot? I didn't notice that. He was the one who. It's extremely didn't like subtle. Shit. Like if I wasn't looking for it when I watched it last, like yeah, I wouldn't have noticed. He was definitely like the superstitious character. He was the one who was the first to react. He was and be the like, only sane person ship. out of the he entire. Was, he was the person to recognize that this place is messing with everyone, and he's just like, I don't trust this place. I don't like it. I want away from it as much as possible. Mm-hmm. The captain of the ship had that necklace. I mean, obviously, that's very apparent in the film that had like the the Rastafarian colors on it. Like, that, I, thought I, thought that that was, uh, I thought that was a belt. I thought that was a badge. Yeah, I thought that was flag. Well, no, I, I thought it was a like a badge, like a no, metal no, thing. I, uh, no, on his necklace. No, I'm pretty yeah, sure it wasn't Rastafari. Just trying to be no, subtle. It's it really racist, religious. Eric. No, it's oh, not. Lord. No, I think it's trying to be it, like no, subtle. Religious. Those are the colors of the Kenyan flag, I think. Are they? It looks like a. It looked like I actually had a. I had a metal around a necklace. Did anyone catch what the British people have, like flag wise? Yeah, because I, no, I didn't see what it was. I know that all the Americans had the American flag, and then everybody with an accent. There was I didn't see anything there. It was like a dark like patch or some type. That's interesting. That might be something worth looking into. But can I also point out? Lawrence Fishburne, in addition to having said necklace, also had a really, really awful chair that he had a lot of fun in. I love because that chair. <laughs> it rotates so slowly, <laughs> and then he just keeps turning it. Instead of just like turning his head, he turns the whole chair. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but put the someone same situation. Would you not also? Someone did you make a gif out of that? Did you notice though that the chair? For the Captain of the Event Horizon, it turned. It wasn't like hanging from the ceiling and dramatic, but his chair turned when he was talking and like pointing out his different crew members. Mm-hmm. In one of the logbooks, his chair turned too. So apparently, that's just a future thing. We just don't understand it. Does your the chair future, not swivel? The yeah. future has slowed. Yeah, the future, like chairs. 2015, when the first uh, permanent moon colony was. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. That was a great. That was crazy. Like even back then, he, he made that movie in 1997. He I was really it, hopeful. It was 2020, was. wasn't it? No, no, it was 2015. 2015. It was 2015. The first permanent moon colony. <laughs> so. 2047 is when this movie takes place. 2040 is when it disappears. Gotcha. Okay. Oh, 2020 was when Mining of Mars started. That was. Yeah. Is sci fi making me cynical? Because now every time I see like 2047, I'm like, that's not happening by 2047. (laughs) 2047, SpaceX is just going to land another Falcon 9 first stage. Fuselage, and it's gonna be like, oh hey, that was the tenth one. Good thing we have a budget. Twenty forty-seven, we're gonna have like another robot on Mars, but it's gonna be slightly more advanced, and it's He's just gonna be walking around. It, it can talk to the aliens it finds. <laughs> Hello, I am Beer Gut Bot Number Seven. No, it's guys. So, so, okay, I'm curious. How many shots did you guys notice were very standout? Like there were, there were a lot of the shots were pretty were pretty yeah, standard maybe. shots. You okay. saw a lot of the people talking, some close ups and stuff like that. But there were a few shots that seemed they were trying to emphasize yeah. something. Like well, there was there was one near the beginning when the doctor wakes up from yeah. his nightmare and he looks you know he, the he looks out the Dutch window angle. and it was upside down. Yeah, the one eighty Dutch angle. That's immediately to throw you off from him. You're supposed to immediately not feel okay with this guy. Because a Dutch angle is supposed to show unease, so when you have something that extreme, literally the camera flipped, it's not even an angle anymore. You gotta choose better casting. What was that angle? I will always be comfortable. That's what I'm saying. That's why I was like, it's it's called a Dutch angle when you like when you twist it off. This was a 180 Dutch angle. Who did that emphasize in the cast? That was Sam Neill. And Colin has a great point because Sam Neill. Sam Neill was awfully cast because despite that Dutch angle telling me this dude was the bad guy I was like this is Sam Neill so there's no way I should feel uncomfortable around him (laughs) get out of here I, I like his casting though as oh no he plays a great creepy he plays a great creepy I think we were we were talking about it too we've done some other films for me I mean think think about you know it's obviously we, we watch it now and we've got, you know, that, you know, next decade or so of, you know, roles that he would take or, you know, we're comfortable with kind of the nostalgia factor that, oh, yeah, that's, you know, Jurassic Park and Dr. Grant and everything else like that. Mm-hmm. But at the time, that was that was kind of a weird role for him to take. Yeah. 
So, yeah. I mean, I could kind of see why he would take it. It was kind of challenging. I mean, obviously, you know, the movie, you know, we're all talking about it now. And it's kind of become this cult movie. But, you know, the, the, the critics weren't very kind to it, nor was the box office when it came out. Didn't but he was, was kind of it. still, I think, trying to change, you know, subvert things so he didn't just get, you know, typecast as, you know, the, the lovable dinosaur. Here's what I have to say about the uh, about the dang movie. Alright, since everyone's like, oh Ben wasn't kind to it, Mark. Alright. Here's my thing. Okay? The premise of the movie was good. I liked the premise of it. But much like every other piece of shit, Paul WS Anderson puts out... Soldier was a damn good movie, and I will stand by it forever. It he, was a great had, movie. The movie he picks he up it, yeah. always has... I've never seen it. I don't know what you you're mean, talking about. Wait, you mean Blade Runner 2? <laughs> every movie he starts <laughs> always has a saying. great premise. <laughs> but then his execution is just off, and I don't care. There are smart choices here and there. The art direction, cool. That was neat. I didn't notice that. Uh, my bad. I'll give him some brownie points back. But the simple fact is, the dude can't direct actors for shit. Like, I didn't believe anyone. At all. Ever. Like, Lawrence Fishburne was a joke. And so... <laughs> it's a great movie. Why? It's a great movie. You just, so, for those that don't, you just show so, me the poster Soldier. With I'll, Kurt Russell. I'll only... The Soldier? I'll only... Great movie. I'll <laughs> only half-heartedly defend it, because I agree with you. To an extent. If anyone else directed it. No, it's not even that. It it was, like you said, the premise was really solid. And I'm a big fan, as Colin and I have talked about many a time before, I'm a big fan of the trope of the crew going to this derelict thing. It's awesome. I love it. And and I don't care how many times it's been done. If that's the setup, I'm instantly intrigued because, (laughs) to me, there's so many possibilities there. Yeah. So the premise of the movie... I agree with you 100%. Love it. There's a lot of good dialogue in the film, but then it's completely let down by just stupidity. Like, for example, if someone's blown back in a spacesuit, they go, Ah! Well, there there was one scene that we we talked about, and I forget the character's name, which is bad, but uh, the, the trauma guy... Oh, Jason, uh, Jason Isaac. Jason Isaac's DJ. character. DJ. Yeah. Okay, DJ, DJ and Lawrence Trauma. Fishburne's character <laughs> are sitting in the, the, the gravity <laughs> couch bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the, uh, not gravity couch, but no, the, right. like the stasis yeah, bay. That's the gravity couch. Yeah, that's the layman's term. Yeah. And they have this conversation about uh, the, you know, the, the, the former um, you know, ally that Lawrence Fishburne had to leave yeah. behind. That was really good. It was that great conversation was really, really good. Yeah. But then less than, you know, five minutes later, screen time, you've got, you know, the, the one character getting blown back out to space and, you know, uh, kind of comically coming. That was, yeah, that whole you know, comic relief character. I'm coming, or, you know, whatever he says, was, and it's yeah. just like you... But honestly, I feel like it was a break in the movie. It hits a point when it's like there's so much tension and everything is so heavy, and then it just kind of lightens up. Peter's out. You have comic relief. Well, you have comic relief. Yeah, you it's, have Shakespeare, it's Shakespearean. But, it, it, you have tragedy, comedy, tragedy, comedy. But even Paul so, William like Shakespeare Anderson. And that explains why I hate him so much. We figured it out. Well, so so I mean, to, to that point though, that's the thing. I, I feel like watching the movie again. You know, I, I I watched it when it originally came out. I've watched it, you know, several times. It, it's one of those movies that I watch it once every like two or three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've always kind of had it under my belt. I, I've always enjoyed it. I always like it. Um, but I don't know. That that's the thing to me is that it hurts itself in those moments. Even though you know, I was laughing my ass off at that scene. I was. But I get, oh, okay. I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, Ben's probably watching this just going, oh, man, this is horrible. Like, okay, I think one of my favorite points that was just like that was when Lawrence Fishburne finds the rivet gun and he's going to go track down Dr. Weir and he loads it, 
Spins, spins, spins it, it, and then he makes some like action movie comment. I'm ready for your ass. Bitch. As he stands perfectly still, you hear a, a gun cocking. Yeah, there's a large like well, slap no. sound do, effect. Do you want to know something funny? Is, according to the directors, according to the directors guild, um, every director has to have ten weeks to edit a film. Uh, he agreed to only do it in six weeks. Oh lord. Why? You giving me ten weeks? Fuck you! I'll do it in six. No, no, no. He wanted ten. He had to do it in six because Paramount was pressuring him to get it out before uh, Titanic. Oh, oh boy! This was the movie that was gonna sink the Titanic. <laughs> no, no. I mean, <laughs> good fucking luck, Paul Wesley Snipes Sanderson. By the way, Paul will no succeed in Anderson. <laughs> Paul, it's Paul Anderson, but somewhere in the mid aughts, Resident he, changed, Evil. he changed his name to Paul W S Anderson, and we're still trying to figure out what the W and the S are. It's, it, I found out. Do you want to know? No. It's really no, anti. No, 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 it's dark. dark it's don't really anticlimactic. So I'll save it. Hang in here. You'll find out. <laughs> yeah. All right. So wait, can Smith. I say something you about slap sound effects because I heard it? The climactic battle was all about it. I was like, all right, Lawrence Fishburne versus Sam Neill. Let's do this shit. Let's go. The sound effect for the fight. Holy crap. Was that embarrassing? It was like, so bad. It was so hokey. It was. It's almost like he spent five and a half weeks on the movie <laughs> and then half a week on the end fight sound effects. <laughs> oh shit. Uh, do we did we get any punch Slap. sound effects from the Foley artist? The only thing no, we need to like, that last sound effect. The only <laughs> thing that that last fight needed was more prodigy. That whole movie had nothing like there's no point in that movie that had anywhere close like that would it would have made sense to have that? No, it, it's a very it's serious and the end. Yeah, it's a very serious like orchestral score, <laughs> very dark. I mean, it, there was actually points where it reminded me of almost like the Dead Space score, like lots yeah, of like yeah, dissonant yeah, yeah, yeah. strings oh, and this true. really eerie and like kind of the, the haunted house in space vibe, and then you know bookended by the really rad nineties. If it wasn't if it wasn't nineteen ninety seven, the Prodigy wouldn't have been anywhere near this fucking movie. This movie came out in two thousand ten. That would have had full on orchestral score, you know. Nobuo Matsu. A good director. Look, he what, two years before this, he did Mortal Kombat. Another one of my like guilty pleasure movies. Well, it's everyone's guilty. When you do, when you do the guilty, even I like do the Mortal Kombat one. Let me know. I don't think we'll ever do more. It's sci-fi. Okay, so I don't think we'll ever do more. I'll make it sci-fi. All right, you want to play that game? Like I played Mortal Kombat before. It's good. Oh God! I'd like to remind everybody that we don't rehearse beforehand. I fucking rehearse as a podcast. We do it live. So these are all really cheesy elements of the film, but my entire defense of the film is based in that. Like, yeah, it's very cheesy, but this is a Paramount Pictures film in 1997. Like, consider your source. Like, you don't go back in time, look at the person who invented the wheel, and go like, duh. It's a wheel. It spins and helps you move a cart. I say that all the time. You don't look at a film in 1997 made by Paramount Pictures and say. What are so these cheesy ass sound effects and you, you know, casting these popular actors? Paramount of the just throws money at it. It has nothing to do exactly. with Paramount. Exactly. And so it's a 60, at that time, which was a huge amount, it's a $60 million film. Some There are tons of people there making chunks of that $60 million who it's just a job. Did you actually they look don't the give budget? a shit well, how good the end thank film Thank you for looking at the budget. That's actually to to that point, so that's the <laughs> thing. Actually, going back now and watching it. And, and, you know, watching in 2016, like I said, it's been a couple years since I watched it. I had a kind of a different mindset when I just did this most recent viewing. I was actually surprised at how well some of the, the, the parts held up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The thing to me, and this is kind of my See, my yeah, takeaway yeah. from Event Horizon and, 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 like, the broader genre that it kind of comes from, uh, the 90s butthole cinema, as <laughs> <laughs> so eloquently puts it was kind of like the last big 
we're going to do a, a horror movie in space and kind of do it in this way and kind of in the alien mold. I was about to say, no one's ever done that big idea before. <laughs> well, well, that's the thing. It, you know, it, it definitely is tropey. We've said that a ton over the course of this podcast. But at the same time, you know, that was kind of like the, the last big hurrah. And at the end of the 90s, you really didn't see movies like that up until I think the only one that was really attempted in the 2000s was Pandorum, which was produced by Paul... W.S. No, Anderson, <laughs> yeah, William yeah. Shakespeare. He produced it. Um, but same thing, I actually, I enjoyed that movie. It's got a lot of flaws. It's not a great movie by any means, but I really liked the atmosphere of it. I liked the whole idea of a horror film in space. I liked the idea of these, you know, confined quarters and, you know, the, the, the whole, the derelict, you know, we have to find out what went wrong or, you know, these people don't really know what, what they're walking into or what this thing has become. That's kind of something I actually miss and and watching just how disturbing some of the subject matter or some of the themes that they kind of, you know, were uh, addressing or trying to address in this mainstream movie. It's kind of interesting because we really haven't seen something like that now. I don't know if that type of movie today would would do as well or if it would Uh, would sell. I, I don't know. If you think about it, though, Ridley Scott does this, in my opinion, better. I honestly think that Paul Anderson kind of kept it alive yeah. for a while until Ridley Scott like there's definitely came back around and wanted to do this gritty yeah. sci-fi like because he took a he took a break from yeah, doing like did. gritty sci-fi. <laughs> James <while>. Cameron. <laughs> there's definitely a lot of influence you can see like you were saying the the space James thriller, Cameron did the, but the way they did like the science and then nothing until like the kind of modern science on the spaceship that was also retro at the same time like the monitors and. Everything looks very... Cables everywhere. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't look modern, but it's futuristic and, and you know, advanced capacity. capacity. It's great. I love it. I love the... We need the, the data drives, and it's just a, it's just a CD. CD. It's just a compact <laughs> oh, disc. It's stuck. It's a floppy disk. I love yeah. it. I love the... I love the I gotta. I'll run this through a few filters. Filters. Like, that was I one of my love notes. it. It's so bad, but it's so good. Like it's. I feel like it's a character of the genre itself. Can we, can we also really quickly talk about the fact that they kept using five by five, mm-hmm. which is a Buffy thing. That is straight up <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer made that popular because in its context, it makes no sense. It's like a radio term for like the clarity of a of a call. But they were using it as, like, everything's good, which is a Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> and my, I found that hilarious, but they were using it like a technical term. <laughs> my favorite thing about the movie, it was just something that every time it would come up, it would just put a smile on my face, is that they're in space, orbiting a decaying orbit, mind you, around Neptune, on this demonic ship that's been to hell, it's the haunted house in space, and they're at the one place in space where it makes sense that there's thunder and lightning. Did everyone else notice that? Uh, yeah. yeah. There's yeah. like certain, like you know, Lawrence Fishburne or like Sam Neill finishes some ominous, you know, thought or you know, some ominous <laughs> monologue <laughs> in the background, and it's like they're in space. But there's thunder and lightning. All you need is like the spooky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> 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 Can I go back to Eric really quick? Because I got a bone to pick with you. Uh-oh. Sure. Uh-oh. Please do. Be strong. <laughs> so you mentioned that that's just something you've got to take. That no. that's just something you accept of the 90s. No. Is that it's corny. No, that's just my defense of the film. I don't okay. think that's just something you have to take because... Because things that can't hold up universally, mm-hmm. timelessly, get left behind. That's just how culture should work. And Until you some millennial digs them up <laughs> and puts them in their fucking movie. He sits there with his big thick glasses and his Christmas sweater in July, and he's like, mm. "Let me tell you about Event Horizon." While he smokes on his like tobacco pipe, and he's like, "Oh crap! I just described the Bakers." <laughs> no, just because Matt's smoking a pipe and stroking his beard doesn't mean. Yeah, but Mark's the one with the Christmas sweater. I'm not. I'm not saying it's entirely defensible. I'm, I mean, obviously, look at just look at some of the other films that came out that year. One of which was, uh, I think, the the Fifth Element came out that year as well. Ninety seven. Real close. Yeah. Also, which, the ne- yeah. next year, Sphere. 
Which <laughs> oh, okay, we're not going to talk about. Hey, let's not talk about Sphere another day. Let's not forget Virus. And and that's the thing is that one of the greatest films of all time. And the, most importantly, Batman and Robin. The oh, no. people making this film were aware of some of the like silliness of the film, as were the people making Fifth Element. But when they made Fifth Element, they were like, okay, well, let's play into it. Let's lean into how silly this is, Give it so that we budget. can expose that artifice, you know. And the people making this film were like, no, let's try to hide that a little bit behind other things, behind you know certain certain elements of the film, certain like uh, like the popularity of the actors, the, the 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 budget they put into the special effects rather than using practical effects. So I, I, I it's not entirely defensible as a film, but I'm just saying, looking at it like looking at the like hundred top films that came out in '97. I still think Look, it, it does like pretty damn. It's, it's kind of like a looking through okay. some like '40s and '50s films through like a racism lens, <laughs> where you're like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like the idea, like that they'll like pepper racism into things, and you have to go back and be like, all right, the culture at the time. Okay. Was a are you are you comparing Event Horizon do. to the jazz singer I'm, right now? Because I'm right. saying in the same way that like blackface was okay at the times, but is totally horrible in culture today some of those hokey things were the coolest thing in the world at that point but now we look at them and think they're ridiculous you know what you know what hey guys racism's really groovy hey hey i like i like point i like event horizon i really do i think it's fantastic i'll probably watch it again in another couple of years however if you look at some of the other movies that came out at that time that are timeless, Event Horizon is very dated to 1997. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone loves Mortal Kombat. That's very dated to 1990. Lost in Space. Lost in Space is very dated to when it came out. But if you look at the movie Sphere or The Fifth Element, we can literally watch that 10 years from oh, now. That's true. And or still enjoy those movies. Fifth Element is They'll feel pretty perfect. fresh still, you know? Was, was it Spirited Away or Princess Mononoke that came out in, like, the late 90s, too? Like, Spirited Away? That was... I think Mononoke. It's, uh, either way, Spirited they, Away yeah. was early 2000s. I think yeah. It, yeah, it was yep. Mononoke. Princess Mononoke, 1997. 97. You, you, you have to, you, yeah, that's, no. Okay. So that's you're, American you're absolutely Japanese right. I'm glad you emphasize that. You have to think, like, this film isn't timeless. There were films that were timeless, which are my, you know, some of my favorite films yeah. of all time. Yeah. Fifth Element, Princess Mononoke, some of my favorite films Wait. of all time. Well, when, this, did, when did Armageddon no. come out? Which I found out is actually very dated. Yeah. 98. I, I don't know. I, I think for me, too, it, it's that that's the, the type of film that Event Horizon is, or at least the subject matter and, and what they do and where they're at or, or where they are. Um, there's such a small group of films that kind of explore that that subject that, you know, to me, it might not be timeless, but I still kind of put all those movies together. Like your, your Alien and Event Horizon. Well, obviously, Event Horizon is no Alien, yeah. but I enjoy... The idea of like like I said I've said it many times I just I love that um, that archetype of you know this this crew kind of going into the unknown and to me you know Event Horizon is one of those movies for better or worse mm-hmm. so that's I think why it or at least one of the reasons why it's, it's so I don't know I don't say special to me but I, that I kind of hold it dear you well, know, even I know I recognize its flaws any sci-fi that sits there and goes great we can do this but should we do this that's that's my favorite sci-fi it's like man is out in space now but should we be there mm-hmm. are we going to find things that we shouldn't probably find yeah know? they were sort of drawing parallels between like space progress I mean the the whole like existence of like the devil the whole like uh, uh, who is the the the, the guy, the, the scientist, Weir? Sam Dr. Neil. Weir, yeah. uh, Dr. Weir. He Dr. was the Grant. eighth crew member. He was the unnatural eighth person on the crew. Like, they were drawing all these parallels. And like you said, that this movie has a special place to me, even though it's very silly, it has a special place to me because when in the last 20 years have you been able to make a heaven and hell sort of movie that, that doesn't feel silly? This was this big bang where they were, like, really hitting that theme. And at the last time you could hit it in the last twenty years without it feeling no, in an interesting way, kind of spinning it in a you know something that was different that really hadn't been done. You can never tell a new story; you can only tell a story that's already been told differently. Right, that's what they were doing here. Yeah, yeah. Every story has been told already, basically. Yeah. Yeah. 
That always makes me no, really sad. It's so my werewolf like, space I know, movie. I know what it's like means. <laughs> it's probably been done. Been done. But to be fair, though, like the idea space. of every story has been told, that's been around for a long time. So all of like... Like Avatar. Werewolves in space. It's an original movie. <laughs> it's just like a lot of our favorite books, films, anything, they've been done before, but we still love this adaptation of it. Because it speaks to us personally, because it's adapted to our culture, to our environment. I've never been past Neptune. I will not consider that part of my environment. Give it time. <laughs> well, no, because that, the that's the thing. Was. What it boils down to is Event Horizon is alien. It is. It is. Event Horizon is alien. It's yes. not. It's, 1979 it's, came back and kicked us in the It's ass. not as good as Alien by uh, a mile. It's not the same <laughs> solar system as Alien, but it is Alien. And for me, it was, you know, it was Alien from the 1997 crowd. Yeah. You know, with all the techno and when silly sound effects at that. Was Resurrection 97 as well? Mm. I think it was a little earlier than that. Let me, uh... Maybe 94. Let me just say, as I look that up for you, <laughs> Alien Resurrection was 97. Oh wow! It was ninety-seven, which was a pretty good movie. But if you notice that until Ridley Scott did Prometheus, there's never been the same director in that franchise. Every time it was yeah. a different director. But see, if it, that's actually David really interesting, and I didn't think yes, about that. Or John, Eugene something. Who did? No, to compare Alien Resurrection and Event Horizon yeah. coming out in the same you know the same time frame. Event Horizon is a better alien movie than Alien Resurrection. It's more true to that Because story. he was basing it off of that early... I mean, Alien, the franchise, kind of got away from itself yeah, for yeah, a while. And, and That's kind of interesting. I didn't even think of that. Let me say that, like, I, I could watch Event Horizon again. I, 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 I during my during my live We tweet, will, three years from now. We'll during my live treat, we'll do a tweet, podcast. <laughs> I gave it a C+. I said C+. Because it's not awful. I had fun watching it still. But I just got mad when people like our friend Kyle, or people like Colin here, who would tell me this thing is the epitome of all freaking sci-fi, no, and then I watch Starship, it. That's Starship Troopers. <laughs> and I watch it, and I I'm sitting here waiting for like the answer to all my sci-fi questions in life, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like... And then, you know, Sam Neill gouges his eyeballs out. And wears a codpiece. <laughs> wears a codpiece. <laughs> Cooper comes flying in through the window. Like. Oh, man. So what, yeah. what were you saying about it? Only it, it's missing a third of the movie? Like, Yeah, I well, want to know about that. Let's talk about that in the last time. Well, no, 10 he, minutes or so. He, cut, he had to cut a lot of the movie out. He didn't finish because they kept... He had a shorter amount of time to put the movie together. And so they did a, you know, like the soft release where they get like critics together and mm-hmm. you know, family and friends or whatever um, everybody hated it everybody f- hated it because it was too gory it was gory it, it was no this was this, was, this, was, 90s, this yeah. was cut back for how gory it was oh really yes so they cut out a lot of the like I'd say probably a third of the movie they cut out wow. okay, well if so you think do about we know it, what was cut no and they own someone uh, Anderson said that it's gone. It's been trashed a long time ago. But someone claimed a couple years ago that they found a VHS with the original cut on it or something. Weird. And apparently Anderson has it now. So I don't know what's going to happen. With it's actually. I did read that. He mentioned yeah. this in 2011. So it's yeah. 20th anniversary. Next oh, year. Shit. Though I, I did hear that it is it's on Betamax. And yeah, that's what drives people insane. <laughs> it's actually a copy that was sent here, sent back here from another dimension. <laughs> it came from hell. All I'm saying is, if they from if, hell it came. If they put out like a special edition oh Blu-ray next year, I want to see just like Samuel's face. That's it. If, well, event, event Horizon is an autobiography of Paul W. S. Anderson. Paul W. S. Anderson he was Doctor Weird. Weird. He was Doctor. He Weird. went to hell and came back. And now they're just having him make movies continuously until we all just die. The that, WS is her well that, shit. <laughs> <laughs> what? I am home. <laughs> <laughs> no! Alright, for a second there, this place is a tomb. 
<laughs> I know we don't have a lot of time left, but that whole like I'm home and then he walks into the grav like core chamber and discovers uh what's her face's dead body because she was upset. chasing her. And he's like, Yeah, and then he was upset. It's like is this is this chronologically correct? This isn't what I fucking bargained for. Jesus. He's like, Oh six weeks six weeks to cut the film. <laughs> well, I didn't know that my murder ship was gonna kill people. <laughs> yeah, but seriously though, that was the first casualty of the ship, so it was like, whoa, it actually does I mean, kill I, yeah. people. Was well, it the first casualty? That was the no. first casualty. First casualty for that yeah, crew. First death. Well, first death, excuse me, yeah. Oh, okay. I guess. Because Baby Bear, Baby Bear got his ass yeah, depressurized. Was, yeah, he was um, What was, I loved the, when he crawls in the access vent, and it's just like circuit boards. It's everywhere. circuit boards everywhere. It's, everywhere. Everywhere. it's like a ventilation system of circuit boards. Like, yeah, when, was pretty, I love him. I love that scene in the angle they do. They do this cool, like, shot where... It gets really like weird and distorted, yeah. and then like the hall well, stretches. Like, the flashing uh, lights, the yeah, yeah, that that, that set direction's awesome. Mm-hmm. But the the thing that I mentioned to Colin is too. I just the whole time was just imagining trying to hide from raptors in there. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Uh, <laughs> There's nowhere to hide. Ali, the door locks. But yeah, I mean, well, you know, really quick because we we just touched on that. The last thing I'd say too is that. They don't really focus on it. There are moments that are really like gory and really violent, but a lot of the shots that are like really fast are extremely like disturbing. It's graphic. If you slowed it's, it down, it's really it's graphic. real bad. So they were really pushing it, and that's one of the things too. If like what Colin's saying, you know, there's a lot of the movie that was kind of missing because of how how much further they pushed it. I can only imagine. I mean, when they're kind of showing like these scenes that they're you know saying, oh, this is. Hell, you know, or these are, you know, the images that Weir is projecting to Lawrence Fishburne about the crew, you know, suffering in this hell dimension. It's it's pretty messed up stuff. I mean, even by 2016. The one thing that did disturb me a lot was the uh, the video footage of the crew. I was I was like, whoa! I thought this was this was a corny, cheesy, stupid flick. Like, and then that happened, and I'm like. And I'm like, get really upset for a second, like, and he's like holding his eyeballs in his hand. And he's like, he's reciting just... Latin with his eyeballs yeah. in his hand. And then I'm, and then it ends, and I'm like, oh, thank God, let's go back to Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was there was actually some really. I don't. I think I was gonna say I think it could have used that extra gore. Like I think that would have added something to it. But I kind of like the mystery that they left you with. Like you saw bits and pieces of the, the whole the flashes and the the orgy, yeah. which, yeah. Blood Orgy is the official name of like that whole like scene going. Oh yeah, it's called the Blood Orgy. That's actually scene. where, as an aside, South Park got that from. It that that whole episode with oh, the, 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 uh, the oh the uh, woodland critters yeah. Blood Orgy was inspired by. <laughs> Event Horizon. Wow. That's the Christmas Friends or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's all keep in mind and take a moment of silence for Lawrence Fishburne, who actually did go to fucking hell to like save his crew. Yeah, that sucks. He straight up went to hell he, to save yeah. his crew. Like he did. He's in hell. He's yeah. he just he's yeah, gonna be yeah, there for eternity. There's a giant space donut that sent him. To hell. <laughs> yeah. I was. Uh, I wrote in my notes like. You mean the Stargate? Yeah, each yeah, of the basically. people who died were sort of paying for their oh, own, like, Stargate. paying for their own sins. You know, whether it's you know, a, you know kind of a you know, personal sin, which I guess a lot of them turned out to be. You know, uh, what's her face? You know, leaving her son to be on this expedition. Miller, who's Lawrence Fishburne's character, the guy uh, burning down. No, that's yeah, totally him leaving his crew and member yeah. behind. Like these are all like personal sins. Like in reality, he didn't actually do anything like that bad. Like he left a guy behind who. It all, you know, for all intents and purposes, was probably going to die. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the guy who's... And that's the thing. thing. Like, I mean... I mean, that really, like... If if I wanted to see anybody get out, it was Lawrence Fishburne. What are you talking about, DJ, dude? Yeah, DJ. Trauma. That's my boy. Yeah. Yeah, well, I feel like his part must have had to be something that was cut out. Because why did he have to die that kind of death? Well, no, you know what, though? You just... You brought up a really good point, and I'm glad we brought this up at the very like last minute of the thing. But it's actually a really good point that you know the way that everyone died. It was kind of a reflection of what their personal sin was. If right. you think about it, they never really talked about what DJ's sin was, but he was real quick to grab a knife and yeah, he on. was he, and yeah, you can see I'm for that like, entire scene, he's like visibly shaken. He's like. I can't believe I just did that. That had for that to be, whole right, scene. That right had before, to have something that cut out. Right before Weir yeah. eviscerates him, he he tells Lawrence Fishburne like, to get on the video monitor, don't worry about it, I'll take care of it. And he yeah. wasn't like, oh, you know, 
I'll, I'll take care of it. He was like he ready grabbed to go like kill something someone. and he grabbed a saw. Yeah, like a bone saw. Like saw. he was ready to go yeah. kill. He so was the quiet, melancholy guy yeah. on, in the cruise quarters and all that Mass stuff. Murder. Yeah. He had to have something. That there was, was something high. there. And yeah, and I, I wrote in here about like the whole idea of uh, you know the Inferno by Dante and the idea of like hell is a you know place of ironic punishment. You know, and like this is. I mean, if you're talking about like you know christian like hell like yeah i mean like that's the image that everybody gets is ironic punishment you know wow paul that was really deep you I mean, just a, paul you just handedly <laughs> made the case yeah. for this film as art yeah i know and i mean we didn't even we didn't even talk about all of the like eyeball imagery yeah. uh like this whole movie is filled with you know metaphorical and literal eyeballs you know you've got uh, Weir, you know, scratching his own eyes out. You've got Weir's wife walking around without eyes. And the whole idea, I feel behind that, I mean, stop me if I'm incorrect, but it's, you know, you've, you've heard the saying, the eye, the eyes are the windows to the soul. Yeah. And so in, you know, in, you know, Christian belief systems, you know, suicide, you know, you, you basically go to hell if you commit suicide. And so Weir's wife walking around without eyeballs there is, you know, there's no soul there, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's just gone because she's, you know, in hell. We are losing, you know, ripping out his own eyeballs. And then the ship steals his And then the ship, soul. even the whole, like, even that whole area in between. The garden of earthly delights. The even the whole area between, like, the, you know, ship proper and, like, the core. That whole yeah. long corridor with the explosives looks like an eyeball. It's, yes, it does. Even, even the, uh, even the grav core like kind of looks like an eyeball when it, when it opens you know yeah. like an eyeball to reveal this whole other world of um sex orgies of blood blood Death. sex orgies like what, what so next guys... week part two on event horizon part... no. <laughs> would, yeah you know because he's just raised some points yeah. now what, what do you what do, what do you think about that that rotating chamber the magnetic field chamber that they walk through uh, yeah, the, like core. meat grinder. Mm -hmm. Like yeah, the guy calls it a meat grinder. The meat yeah. grinder. It's what it is. Yeah. What like what do you think? Is there more behind that, or it's just it was just just disturbing? I think it was just to be like yeah. they're gonna make this yeah. as visibly uncomfortable there's, as they can yeah, possibly make it. It like, has to be menacing. It has to be alive. It has to be you know because that that is a good way to put it. The ship rotating constantly. They step through it to get to mm -hmm. the gate to hell. Mm -hmm. So. Honestly, it's that makes so much sense. I didn't even think about the whole. I mean, yeah. obviously, and you notice the like the imagery with the eyes, but the idea that everything is seeing the world as it is versus seeing their inner torture. Yeah, that is what drove them nuts. Was well, the ship was making them see the things that weren't a real problem, but were right. something they were they creating in their heads. Yeah. Their so the less they yeah. saw the real world, and the more they saw their torture in their head. And I didn't even catch it until just now, but right before they see these visions, they all see the portal mm -hmm. in their eyes. They, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. It, it lines exactly. up. I was noticing that too, yeah. There's, there's a quote uh, in the Bible about this. I don't want to get too biblical on a uh, science fiction podcast, but I feel like this is uh, pretty apt. It comes from Matthew six twenty two through 24. The eye is the lamp of the body. You draw light into your body through your eyes, and light shines out to the world through your eyes. So if your eye is well and shows you what is true, then your whole body will be filled with light. But if your eye is clouded or evil, then your body will be filled with evil and dark clouds. And the darkness that takes over the body of a child of God who has gone astray, that is the deepest, darkest darkness there is. And, no. and we've got Baby Bear who's just like, he's in the. <laughs> yeah, 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 let's get out of the system. Yeah, you've got, you've it, was got, such a, it was such a. It's, like, it's like, holy yeah. shit. And it's like, oh, Baby Bear is a funny yeah. name. But you've got, you've got this character. You've got Justin who. He like, he's like convulsing and he's shaking and he tries to blow himself out the airlock because of the darkness inside me. Whoa. He went through that gravity portal he was he was in he went to that hell dimension you can call it hell but you can, he went through before anybody else that's true on that crew did he saw firsthand i mean for god's sake like he spent what 30 seconds yeah, a minute that. in that hell dimension for him that could have been an eternity yeah. on the other side that's you true. know if you i mean if you were to go to hell for even a minute like how would you be when you came back 
Like oh. that quote was some Old Testament shit, wasn't it? Uh, Matthew's a New Testament. Yeah, Matthew. Oh wow, that sounded that sounded some dark shit. No, Old Testament. Oh, I thought, Old I thought Paul Anderson wrote that. <laughs> Old Testament's way darker. No, I. You, you kind of mentioned even like just the thirty seconds thing. I really love the shorter timeline. Mm-hmm. I feel like that added to the tension. The twenty hours. Of yeah, that yeah. Time. It wasn't like we're gonna be here for a week yeah. and we're gonna watch everybody slowly devolve. It was twenty hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah except the pacing was still off because you got one second it's twenty hours, the next second it's eighteen yeah. hours. Well, that's what happens when you cut out a third of a movie. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I missed a lot of blood orgy. I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, I want more Blood Orgy. I sat there and watched um, the Blood Orgy for like an hour or two well, of the movie. <laughs> I think overall we uh, decently dissected Event Horizon. Yeah. Uh, dissected it like DJ. I want to watch what it again now. I want to watch it again. Okay, so real quick, real quick, I'm going to go around the circle. Eric, good sci-fi or bad sci-fi? Good sci-fi. Good sci-fi. Good sci-fi. Oh, I thought we were going to do names. Did you call them by <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I was waiting for that too. Uh, excellent. Huh? Excellent sci-fi? Decent okay. sci-fi, excellent. Now I'm going to call them names just to piss you off. Mark. <laughs> Good WS sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to hear yours first. Oh, I think it was great sci-fi. Yeah. And now, I will say... It's still good. That's sci-fi. all we got. No! <laughs> I was about to say it's still it's still good sci-fi. It's still good sci-fi. It had it had its issues. It was born in the butthole of cinema, but it's still good sci-fi. It's right, tough to have a bad. A sci-fi. year on either side, it would have been a masterpiece. Of people would be talking to their kids. Oh, Kevin, you haven't seen this movie yet? But because it was ninety-seven, mm-hmm. we just did truly though, like. We sense. talked about what came out in 97. Like, there were all right, more were. bad than all good. Right. All right, so I think that's all we got time for this podcast. Oh, um, God. <laughs> uh, I don't know what we're going to do next time. More 90s. More 90s? I, wanna do, I really want to do Sphere, guys. And I want to do Stargate. If we can get our hands on you guys, we need. You guys need to do Cube. I own all these movies on DVD. We I don't know about Cube. We're going to do Cube. And I'm going to tell we'll you some We will figure shit. it out. We're gonna do the the summer is gonna be a summer of nineties, and then we're gonna hit back to something more contemporary when we get to August. <laughs> we'll do we'll do all the shapes. We'll do cube. We'll do sphere, sphere. triangle. <laughs> triangle. There's gotta be a triangle. Is, triangle. Sequel to sphere. is pyramid like Stargate? Does that work? <gasps> oh shit! You get you're getting to a different level. That's also Event Horizon. Yeah. I'll explain that later. Anyway, oh, Event Horizon's <laughs> a sequel to Jurassic Park. <laughs> so Stargate is a prequel to Richard MacGyver. Yes. Can we okay. go now? <laughs> all right. All right. Thank you. Uh, that's all we got time for tonight. So thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Go watch some good movies though, like Resident Evil or Resident Evil Apocalypse or Resident Evil Three or Resident Evil Four or Resident Evil Five or Resident Evil Six. Or I don't know what they're called anymore, but Sol- some, there's soldier. more Resident Evil. Soldier's a good movie. Or Soldier. Anything by uh, wait, what's his, wait, wait, what's his actual name? What's his actual name? Fuck, I can't remember. Oh, no. Goodbye. I told them they would find out. It's William Scott.